Okay, so let's get the mood going here. Imagine it. The coffee machine is bubbling and gurgling away in the corner. The Netflix fireplace is doing its job, thank goodness, though I could do with a little bit more heat. The smell of musty paper and the subtle sweetness of vanilla is in the air, and you've gathered with some of your closest book friends to talk about your latest find. I'm Ray, and welcome to another episode of Not Before Coffee, The Bookshop, where I talk about my most recent reads and hopefully encourage you to pick up a copy. Well, I am here this week with Kelsey and Kaylin from the fantastic book podcast, Touch Your Shelf. And I know they've been on hiatus for a while. And the last episode they did before that hiatus was about a book in the Harry Potter series. So I'm going to turn over to them so they can tell you all about their podcast and what's going to happen when they're back from hiatus. Yeah, so I'll go first if that's okay, Kaylin. Um, so Touch Your Shelf was created because Kaylin and I, um, after she moved to Texas last year, two years ago now, um, we would have these very long conversations about books. And eventually Kaylin said to me one day, we should just have a podcast. And then the world shut down and we decided to <laughs> make a podcast. Um, and it really was just a way for us to talk more than anything um, on a regular schedule, which hasn't been very regular lately. But um, just talk about the books that we grew up with or, no, we started with um, classic novels and then transitioned into the books that we grew up with. So, yeah, it's been a very fun ride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We um, like to try and make classic literature a little bit more accessible and try and, you know, break it down and make it a little bit more fun and have people realize that it's not super scary and they're not all super boring and And then we wanted to bring in some fun contemporary novels. And we're going to keep doing that when we come back from hiatus. We've had just like life happen. And as everybody understands, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Life's (laughs) Um, inconvenient. Honestly. It is. If the whole thing could just pause for a second, that would be great. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) It's one of those things, I think, that you think it's all getting back to normal and then someone goes oh by the way and he said oh what what now yeah and (laughs) then all of a sudden you don't have all the time to podcast again and it kind of gets put on the back burner but um we love doing it it's it's you know any excuse to talk about books really and I'm down for it (laughs) absolutely and that's why I mean I love your podcast I love all the episodes you've done especially in fact, actually, the classics are one of the things that I find interesting to hear other people talk about mm-hmm. because they aren't so accessible. Right. And they can be quite difficult to get into. I mean, your discussion on Lolita was eye-opening. <laughs> and that, and that, is, that is one of those books that I was introduced to originally through the first film. Oh, the orig- okay. not Not the remake, but the mm-hmm. original, the black mm-hmm. and white version. And it was kind of like okay that's a little bit questionable then you read the book and it's like whoa oh that's traumatizing (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah it was was, disturbing yeah Yeah. Yeah, definitely that was the first time I had read that book was for the podcast um I actually had to read it twice because the first time I was so disgusted (laughs) that I wasn't really paying attention I just wanted to kind of see how the story ended so maybe Lolita could have like some sort of redemption arc 
And uh, yeah, I, I just kind of like skipped through it so I could read the ending. Um, and I had to go back and read it again. And it was it was not any more pleasant the second time around. I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? You read something and you either like it or you don't, whether it's contemporary or classic. Mm-hmm. Because there's always going to be one author that you look at and think, well, everybody else likes them. So why don't I? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that can be hard. It can be hard to... Yeah, to, what what do I want to say? Um, like, furnish your own taste, I guess. Like, figure out what you might like and what you wouldn't like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's also, like, a little bit of bravery being able to shout your opinions into the internet. And, <laughs> you know, because well, everybody yeah. has an opinion on any everything. And sometimes if it's a controversial opinion, you're like, oh, should I, should I actually post this podcast? Or, you know, are we going to get backlash? And... Um, we've been lucky so far that nobody has taken offense with our strong opinions yet. <laughs> That's it though, isn't it? You you get to the point where you're scared to post something mm-hmm. in case it offends someone. I know that I, I don't tend to post massive controversial opinions. Mm-hmm. It's and it is like it's slightly different when you post on your own anyway. Oh because sure. Because there is there's no one to stand stand back and go, well, it was actually that person that said that, not me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was my evil twin. Mm-hmm. But I have I have posted stuff and said I didn't like this or this was not my to my taste. Mm-hmm. And I've been quite not brutal but honest about it. Yeah. And then you just wait for the backlash to come mm-hmm. and hope that it doesn't. Sort of like when I posted a few years ago my one of my first episodes last year and I said that I I placed Buffy in the fifth place in my chart of the favorite teen teen series from the late 90s to early 2000s uh-huh mm-hmm. that is a strong opinion that's yeah. a controversial opinion mm-hmm. exactly sure. I did actually <laughs> go into hiding after that for about a week mm-hmm. I avoided the internet <laughs> avoided the internet so I didn't get any backlash mm-hmm. but I think everybody you should be entitled to opinion as long as it doesn't hurt someone agreed yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and there's that maturity in being able to discuss it, which is why we're having this discussion. Well, no, it's not really why we're having this discussion now. We're talking a book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking today about the first in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. We will s- sort of touch on the film. Um <laughs> <laughs> we all tackle uh, yeah exactly it's the the three witches gathering at the start of Macbeth yes (laughs) Halloween costume next year come on guys yeah perfect we can do we can do this over Skype but yeah it is it is very much we're going to be looking at the book which is definitely preferable and it's not a hard read Mm-mm. No, not at all. I Very think especially accessible. even for kids, because it's obviously it's a kid's book and it's, it's exactly. marketed for kids. So even as a kid's book, it's really easy. And then it's kind of really refreshing to read as an adult and still enjoy it, which I think mm-hmm. makes it even better. The fact that I enjoyed this as a kid and I'm enjoying it now. Whereas Absolutely. I'm enjoying it as an adult and an adult. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but it's been, that said, it's been ages since I read it. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been a long time. I think I read it just after it came out. And then obviously I read it, started yesterday evening and continued on this, this afternoon. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long time since I'd read it. And there are certain things I'd kind of got confused with the film. 
Yeah. And then when I read it again, it was like, oh, yes, I remember that. Because they changed, though they kept the names the same, so there's no confusion there, the mm. book itself is much better. Agreed. <laughs> <In> yes. My... <laughs> I would agree. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what, what did you prefer, or, or not even prefer, but what did you like about it? What initially sort of kicked you off? Because you chose this one. Yeah. <laughs> I um... said, what book would you like? And it was like, oh, we'll do this one. So... Yeah, so the reason I like this book so much, um, or the series in, in general, um, because I actually just did read the like the secondary Percy Jackson series, um, like the, the little bit bigger ones. I don't know if you've heard of those. The, the, with, the Olympus or something. Yeah, yeah. Like it starts with The Lost Year and goes, there's five books after this series. Um, but I hadn't read the original series in, in a little bit. And the thing I like about the first book or this series, I guess, in general, is that it deals with adult themes in a kid's way. You know what I mean? So a oh, lot yeah. of the themes that I read in, in, in now are still applicable applicable to my life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, what you want in a kid's book, you know? It, it, yeah. it, it, it stands the test of time, I think. Yeah, like despite the fact that it's has to do with Greek mythology and, you know, the Greek gods are real and everything, it still feels relatable, Mm -hmm. which I think is wild. Yeah, that's the thing. You have Percy's relationship with his stepfather, Mm -hmm. Gabe, who is abusive, and he does does say to his mum, does he beat you? And she is not, she doesn't shy away from telling him the truth, even though he's only 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's really heavy for a kid to read, too. Yeah. Definitely, but at the same time, they're not so explicit about it. Yes, they, it's it's kind of the theme is there, but at the same time, they're not shoving it in your face mm-hmm. like a lot exactly. of. Before we started recording, we were talking about this horrific theme of toxicity in a lot of YA and and NA novels, mm-hmm. and this this kind of skims the subject. Yes. And there are a lot of dismissive adults, such as Mister D or Dionysus. Mm-hmm. He can't even get his name right, for goodness sake. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Peter Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which you love because that's such a good, subtle insult to show someone that you don't care about them. Like, if you oh, want to be subtly mean to them, you have to pretend like you don't remember their name. And yeah. I just think that was like a fun little detail that the book has, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're cousins, aren't they? Technically, yeah. Technically, yeah. Yeah, technically, yeah. Technically, they are cousins. And it's almost like he's jealous of Percy in some way. Yeah, yeah I feel I like Percy has a freedom that Dionysus doesn't have since he's stuck at Camp Half-Blood. You know, well, yeah. He he brought it on himself. Come on. Oh, definitely. Fair. <laughs> Absolutely fair. Yes. Yeah. I like that you said, though, that he was stuck at Camp Half-Blood or like he has the the freedom that a god doesn't have Mm -hmm. because it's mentioned several times in the series how heroes can do whatever they want and gods don't have that freedom. So I think that that's an interesting juxtaposition between like, oh, I'm a god. I'm very, very powerful. I'm like godly. And you're just (laughs) part god. But there's, you know, there's that freedom that they or that, you know, right that heroes have that gods don't have, which I really like too. Yeah. There is also that unfortunate middle ground where when they're having the the introduction at the start of camp and Chiron says, oh, well, you can be killed by both 
godlike weapons and mm-hmm. mortal ones. It's like, oh, hang on, so you can be doubly dead then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you've got all this immortal power, but you're not immortal because weapons that can kill gods can kill you and weapons that can kill mortals can kill you. So whatever happens, you're dead. Right. Yeah. So it's almost right. like they deserve to do anything they want since, yeah. you know, and they always say that hero stories end in tragedy anyway. So you might as well be able to get some perks and do what you want in terms of um, in the way that gods aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I did like the way that there were so many things, obviously you're viewing them through the eyes of a child, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there are those adult underlying themes with things like obviously the visit to the Lotus Eaters in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and the decision he has to make when he's in Hades, when he's with Hades in Hades, really, in the right. underworld. <laughs> Um, yeah. I liked just to what you said about like getting Hades and it, he's in Hades. I thought yeah. it was really cool that the author decided to call it the underworld because yeah. I feel like for kids, it would be confusing to try and explain that it is Hades. Like he is Hades and it is Hades. Yeah. So I just, I just feel like that's another way that Rick Riordan was able to make these books more accessible and still teach the kids something and try and like imbibe this mythology and actually be like quasi accurate, but make it understandable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was so obviously there were certain things that were taken and simplified to a point that I'm sure your Greek mythology loving brain went when they were exactly. reading about oh your yes. girl he took his girlfriend to my mum's temple. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Woman after my own heart. How did you know I wanted to talk about Medusa? Oh my god, I read that and it set my teeth on edge. Yeah, yes. same here. All I could think was his girlfriend, he took his what? <laughs> what did you just say, Annabeth? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you brought that point up and also so fantastic because I do love Annabeth as a character so, so much. And I think she is this great role model for young girls just because oh, she yeah. is so independent. She's so fierce and so strong. But then she says stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Excuse me. <laughs> it, it The thing is, I think that they, they had to simplify it. But at the same time, it was simplified in such a way that it didn't get the message across that Poseidon was... I mean, I suppose in a way they're trying to make him a hero in this because yeah. they're not going to have the prota- the main protagonist's father being an abusive rapist. Sorry. Mm. Um, but at the same time, they didn't need to mention that at all. I agree. Right. Yeah. Why, why mention, oh, well, my mum was annoyed because he brought his girlfriend to, our temp- to her temple. He, she, she wasn't his girlfriend. He didn't, uh, she was actually a priestess of your mother. Right. Mm -hmm. And, oh my, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like, at that point, it's so wrong that you're right. He just shouldn't have included it. Because they, they, it's like they want to say that the gods are kind of bad when they're like, oh, they're not, not all of the gods claim their children. And, you know, they don't listen to us, but you have to be respectful to them. You know, they kind of they're like yeah they're kind of bad in this really tiny way but in that situation they want to save face and it's super Mm -hmm. frustrating because it's like we know the gods are bad like we know they are but then i worry that if rick riordan went into that too much then maybe we'd be on luke's side (laughs) right (laughs) 
But that that was the thing that I found very interesting was the ages of the characters as well. Mm-hmm. Because obviously working it out logically, Luke is in his Luke is 20 or in his early 20s by now. Right. So theoretically speaking, why is he still at a camp for children? Yeah, it's kind of weird. And he's not like a camp counselor or anything. He's still one of the kids too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is he the immature that Grover is in that Grover's in his 30s and still has the maturity of a teenage, a young teenage boy? Mm-hmm. Or is he just someone they're keeping an eye on because they know he's dangerous? Like Mr. D. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's either. Um, I do think later in the in the books that uh, some of some of the campers they do stick around um, just because it is too dangerous for them to go outside because they'd be swamped by monsters. Um, but that is an interesting point. I wonder if they, w- with all like the oracle and fortune telling that they do, I wonder if some somehow somewhere someone knew what was going to happen, and they were like, "Hey, stop him." <laughs> Keep an yeah, eye because on him. because the Oracle knew that Percy was going to be betrayed by somebody who was mm-hmm. he thought was his friend, mm-hmm. and it was the way that he assumed that Ares was the guy that was betraying him. He wasn't his friend. He was betraying right. him, but he wasn't his friend. At no point does there is there any indication, except for maybe in a child's mind, that this adult is looking out for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's tricky. It is. it is incredibly tricky, but I think that's the the issue. Well, not the issue, but the thing when you're looking at a book that is through the eyes of a child, specifically mm-hmm. for children, or at least for children and adults who enjoy reading books <laughs> of any kind. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think with these novels, not just these novels, um, but I think with children's novels in particular, it can be really hard to take that deep dive just because there's so little substance in the actual text but you have to kind of look into the context. So I think that it can be a a little bit more difficult, but I think this book does a very good job at providing like the surface level, but making it easier for us to go into depth as well, which is another reason I like them too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think it's why any of these books, whether they are the Harry Potter books or the, I I kind of choke up a little bit saying this, the Twilight books. Uh huh. <laughs> Take your time. It's okay. Yeah, we're it, not going to judge you. It kind of um gets me right here. Um, any books that have been written with a younger audience in mind tend to be almost like I'd say like Pixar films. Mm-hmm. They have that immediate layer of obvious, and then there's the the overarching that the adults will laugh at when they take their kids to see the film. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They got to throw like some sort of really, really um, layered joke that only adults will understand, and mm-hmm. you know, exactly. Kind of like all the stuff when obviously Percy has a massive decision to make with regards Medusa's head. Yes, and he the decision is taken away from him. Though at the same time, that probably wasn't a bad thing because that would have changed his character too much. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that he is supposed to be that stereotypical hero and take that like hero's journey that we see in in books and movies. And I think there's no way that he was going to have his character um, archetype marred. Like in the beginning, there's no way that would happen. No, exactly. He's not going to be the one that 
purposely harm makes the decision to purposely harm someone even mm -hmm. if they have done him harm yeah definitely i also feel like that's what separates him from luke because when luke talks about backbiter and how it's got mortal steel and the bronze on either side yeah. so like i can kill anybody and Percy's like, whoa, wait, where he remembers what Chiron said about you're not supposed to kill mortals unless absolutely necessary. Which is why their weapons are designed the way they are. Right. So I feel like it separates him from the antagonist even more with that kind of like mentality and his choice that he makes. And the funny thing is, in the book, Luke isn't so much of an antagonist, at least no. at the beginning. Mm -mm. In fact, for probably, what, <laughs> seven eighths of the book? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He is not the antagonist. If you watch yeah. the film before you read the book, you'd be waiting for this moment. Yes. Yes. And waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> and it doesn't really happen how you expect it to. No, no. Because I feel like Ryordan was so subtle because there were teeny tiny hints like yes. with the shoes and how Luke was like, oh, you have the shoes on, right? You're wearing the shoes, right? Yeah. But a kid and even upon your first read, you're not going to notice that. So it's so subtle and that when you're reading it for the first time, that ending really is like this huge shock because there are these tiny details that kind of fly under the radar when you're reading. Yeah, it was interesting how they did the whole thing with the shoes and mm -hmm. also the messages that they put out you're a boy of the sea mm -hmm. and you've angered Zeus so why would you try and fly yeah right right <laughs> it, the, the whole thing it just it does make me mad and I know that it's you know it's it's dumb because this is fiction but <laughs> it, it's still like it, it it provokes like a kind of like protective instinct in me like these these are children these are children and you are immortal gods like can you please you know get a hold of yourself maybe just a little bit <laughs> yeah it was interesting how they also portrayed the physical character of Ares Hades and mm -hmm. the other gods mm -hmm. because they focused so much Hades was enigmatic and charming and he was the one and you'd have thought that that would be those would be the characteristics that were attributed to Zeus as the king of the gods mm -hmm. yet Hades is the one who is what well, they he actually has a specific phrase for him and he talks about him being smooth and yeah and then then mentions has the characteristics of Adolf Hitler yeah yeah He's yeah, like, I was weird. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I saw Adolf Hitler in his eyes, and I was like, yeah. "Okay, wh what? Yeah, Hang but on, then just a minute." <laughs> but then, only two paragraphs previously, he'd been talking about how charming and smooth and mm -hmm. interesting he was. It's like, and then two paragraphs later, you're telling me that he's Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that that is interesting because there is like a like a and I, I don't want to say like go fascism, but there is kind of like that. <laughs> that was <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> but there is kind of like that balance though, right? And like all yeah. fat, like all fascists, like there has to be some kind of persuasive quality to them to get so many okay. people to okay. follow them and believe in them, and to to a point that yeah. he like committing mass murder and everyone's like okay. There has to be some sort of compliance. So yeah, I think charming does come into that. I think yeah, that, at yeah. least they, at least he didn't mention Charles Manson. 
Yeah, I right? half, ex- oh my <laughs> I half <laughs> expected Rasputin to come in at some point. Yeah, <laughs> at least it was just Adolf Hitler and Napoleon, <laughs> right? <laughs> As a part Jew, that's kind of hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it was interesting to see that he was the one that everybody would would follow, and Percy found himself entranced by him mm-hmm. and wanting to listen. But then at the same time, was he wanting to listen to Hades or was he focused on the other voice that was there? Yeah. Because there are constant hints about the other voice that's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like him being in the underworld was, it was probably so confusing to have to differentiate between the charisma that Hades was exuding and like putting into his mind and then also remembering the dreams that he was getting from Kronos. And then on top of all of that, seeing his dead mom two feet away and freaking yeah. out about that as well. So it makes sense that he, you know, I like that. Ryordan put it that way because he was so distracted by so many things he couldn't put it together that it was Kronos talking to him but he still made the right decision yes when he was there in saying I'm I'll be back for you and leaving his mum behind because he knew that he needed his complete team to finish Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. mission whatever that happened to be Mm -hmm. just it was just interesting to see that the enchanting, the charming, the sophisticated and suave one was Hades. Because every time I read about Hades, I think about the character in Disney's Hercules. <laughs> Very fair. Oh, I love that movie. Yes, so him. good. <laughs> and Hades is perfect in that. Yes, he is. That's one thing that I found in the book was far better than the film was I'm sorry Steve Coogan playing a knockoff Mick Jagger is not <laughs> Hades yes Correct. exactly Ugh. it was a really weird turnabout for me and it was very difficult to balance him out with the character that I envisioned from even from mythology mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're supposed to be godlike whether they are in the underworld or on Mount Olympus Mm -hmm. and that wasn't godlike yeah I think the movie tried too hard to make them personable and I think the movie also tried too hard to throw in big names and then hope that that would carry the movie like wasn't it Uma Thurman who was Medusa (laughs) she was stunning (laughs) yeah I think so yeah yeah. so it's like you put in these big names and hope that that will carry your crap movie (laughs) Yeah, I, I've seen quite a few films where they've done that and you think, why did that person... In fact, I reviewed one last week. I reviewed Just Go With It and mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman was in it. Right. Yeah. It's like, why? You've won an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need this movie. You're better <laughs> than this. <laughs> you are so much better than this. Why are you in this movie? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, But you see that quite a lot. And then, of course, Sean Bean is in it and he shocks everybody by not dying. Oh, my God, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Is that all he's good for? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's his brand. They did that entire thing and they had an entire, they could have done a complete unknown cast and made something amazing. I know that they're making a TV series of it, but they still haven't even got a director. Right. They said so, they're not I, even, yeah. so, so they're not even casting yet, but hopefully 
they will do it far more of a service than the film did because it has so much potential to be exciting. Yeah, yeah, I really I think agree. So too. I think the other thing the film failed at was making all the kids older. Yeah, because they were like sixteen or seventeen in the film, yeah. and it's like they're supposed to be twelve. This is supposed yeah, exactly. to be a young kid's journey, and then you watch him grow rather than starting with a sixteen-year-old. It didn't make any sense. And not right. only that, a sixteen-year-old who already has some awareness of his powers and everybody knows who he is before he arrives yeah that was one of the things i loved about the book was his journey to discovering whose son he was Mm -hmm. and also i think one of the things that maybe made luke how he was was the fact that he was the house that has everyone with Mm -hmm. a dumping ground Mm -hmm. which yes possibly creative resentment right um i'm gonna talk about something a little bit different i'm gonna pivot just like a little i promise (laughs) (laughs) that's just how i roll i'm sorry like i'm i'm very scatterbrained um but you did say something about like percy's journey and then ending up in the hermes house the, the dumping ground yeah you know he says that the first two days that he was at camp he felt so at home and then he got claimed, which he was waiting for. Like, everyone's waiting, watching him for him to get claimed. And then he does by one of the big three. And he ends up in a cabin by himself. And mm-hmm. he says, you know, I was finally starting to feel like I was fitting in. And now I'm thrust somewhere completely new again. So that was like, like, this is, yes, it's what he wanted. He knows who his father is. But it's still kind of heartbreaking because he's like, I was making friends, guys. And now he's isolated once again. It was just that was really hard to read, too. Mm-hmm. It's like even though the Hermes cabin was um, the dumping ground, it was still like the island of misfit toys. Where yeah, even though yeah. they didn't belong to anyone, they belonged to each other. Yeah, they all had something in common. Mm-hmm. Even though some of them did know who their parents were, they weren't the big three. Right. And it was interesting. I mean, at camp, I'm going to have to say it again in the film, oh, your father built this for you. Yeah. Yeah. That it's was like, hang on, hang on a second. What now? That that doesn't match up with what we know about the gods who don't want to claim their children. So why <laughs> yeah. would they even be acknowledging them in any way whatsoever? Yeah. Right. Also, you think the gods are gonna build something for a demigod? <laughs> like, really? You think they're gonna get their hands dirty and do anything? <laughs> Absolutely not. Exactly. Right. It's. It was such an imbalanced moment, and then you read it and you read about it in the book, and there is that we're a, we're a safe home. We are safe. We are where you will be safe, mm-hmm. and where you will be looked after. You will be trained so you can survive, and that's what counts. It's that survival. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then you've got, but then you've got Luke, who is angry at the world. Because his father won't acknowledge him, yet he's so dismissive of his father acknowledging him prior to that, or seems to be. Right. That it makes, his anger is, it just makes little sense. Yeah, it's like, we get it. You have daddy issues, but like, don't take it out on everybody else. Yeah, Yeah. let's let's (laughs) kill off the entire human race because your dad (laughs) peed you off. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. It made made no sense Mm-mm. Luke is such a is such an interesting character because on one hand you could almost say that he's justified I guess 
just but like you said it's it's such an overreaction but also you have to think he was living this way in survival mode for the majority of his life with little help from his dad that like i could understand like very traumatic very like yeah messes messes a person up so to speak (laughs) but then he wasn't the only one because everybody else was like that and annabeth was like that i mean she we don't know Luke's background with his mother mm-hmm. and we're mm-hmm. assuming it's his mother because it may not be because they are rather, the gods are rather androgynous in many yep. ways, <laughs> but we have Annabeth with her, her father and her stepmother mm-hmm. who is so cruel to her. Yeah. But you don't see her turning out that way and she has way more reason. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. I don't think we could handle Annabeth as a villain. <laughs> <laughs> the world would for surely burn. Yeah, that would be it. Percy <laughs> wouldn't stand a chance. Mm-mm. He wouldn't. She's de- <laughs> the thing is, she is determined. Mm. And I know that many people compared her to Hermione Granger. I feel like, okay, fine. But I feel like it feels like a kind of lazy comparison just because they're both smart. Yes. Oh, I agree. But as I said, that is, that was the comparison many people definitely. Were, oh, she is the Hermione Granger of the trio. Yep. And it's like, but de- then does that mean that Grover is Ron? <laughs> right. And Percy's definitely not a Harry. No. No, and Luke's not Draco Malfoy. Well, actually, he wouldn't even be Drake. Actually, would he be Draco Malfoy? Because he's not the mastermind behind it. Kronos is, which would make Kronos Voldemort. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. We got it down pat. Exactly. (laughs) That's how it might work. But I think, like, going back to the original comparison, Annabeth to Hermione, it is a lazy comparison because Hermione doesn't have that fierceness. And Hermione wasn't really an independent kind of person either. Like, Annabeth survived years and years and years on her own. And there's an edge to Annabeth. Oh, yeah. yeah, an edge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's incredibly confident in who she is and she doesn't need validation from anyone to know that she is strong enough to cope with things on her own definitely yeah Yeah. and I think that's why it's nice as a kid um or anybody honestly to read Annabeth and to see oh like look she went through terrible things and you could end up like a Luke and be bitter and horrible and want to end the world or you can have this edge and this fierceness that like pushes you along Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite interesting that a fem- uh, that a male author wrote st- such an edgy female teen because mm-hmm. she is slightly older than slightly older than Percy. Yeah, yeah, very slightly. And she yeah. ha- and it's interesting that a male author could write such a character mm-hmm. because I've read so many. I don't know about you, but I've read so many books where a man has written a female character and gone, "Oh, look, I've written a strong woman." And it's like, yes, but you can tell you were a man writing this woman. Mm -hmm. And there's no need to be proud of it. Mm -hmm. Correct. uh, Yeah. I'm thinking of a specific author here. But it frustrates me because women write strong male authors or strong male characters all the time. And you don't see them going, look at me, I accomplished something. Yeah. Yeah. And Rick Riordan didn't do that. He wrote a strong female character and you haven't heard this. Oh, look, well, I created one of the best female characters in children's lit. 
okay yeah. <laughs> do you I want feel- a medal yeah right. <laughs> like his mentality i feel like probably helped him write her you know he he just writes to write and he does it well and he doesn't need to be like ostentatious about it he doesn't need to shout from the rooftops that he successfully wrote a character he just does it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i will say that one of the things i liked most about annabeth's character reading it for the first time i think these books came out when i was like 12 years old maybe 2012 they came out um when reading it annabeth is bossy and she is a know-it-all and I am bossy and I am a know-it-all and I am very loud and I've always been told like oh you know you're you're a loud person and I know that I'm a loud person but there's a lot of like that internal very self-conscious about the fact that I'm bossy and you know all of those things but reading a female character like that and she's still she's very she owns it that was very validating and very empowering for me as a young girl which is something that I still like about the book as well yeah it stick it stuck with me for sure it's yeah. definitely it's definitely different because women have been through the ages i mean you've you've touched on this when you've written when you've talked about your classic literature through the ages women have been made to be the pretty thing sitting in the corner saying nothing yep mm-hmm. and with this kind of character you're getting as you said that validation to stand up and say actually sod this i'm going to speak my mind I'm gonna say what I think and if you try and shut me up I'm gonna just speak louder yeah Mm -hmm. exactly I really like that I think if we if we have to be nitpicky don't don't shoot me but (laughs) I feel like Ryordan did not do well with Clarice though oh god because I think (laughs) correct it's really sad and and awful and it feels like a man writing a woman when most of her negative qualities have to do with her appearance Yes. And that really rubs me the wrong way. Isn't she described as quite chunky and broad? Yeah. One of her first descriptions is she was wearing an XXXXL shirt. Same here. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And like they talk about her pig-like face and how she's ugly. And I just don't like when we would ever associate a, a bad person and they have to be ugly because they're bad. I don't like that. Or they have to be fat because they're bad. Right. Yeah. It's it That's a negative emotion. I think that there is a lot we have to not have to, but there is that whole we're looking at it from a boy's perspective. And yes. as far as and right. it doesn't matter. Society for some reason society has it that if you are larger, you are unworthy. Right. And it that should not ever be the case speaking as someone who is four foot eleven and has struggled with her weight her entire life that should not be the case but it is and that seems to be the stereotype that in all books because look at the descriptions that we had of the girls in the start of harry potter yep when he talk about um i'm trying to think which girl there was one specific girl that he they were always referring to as fat and yeah. they always talked about pansy parkinson having a pig nose right. and things like that and it's like why is this so important you're not talking about the fact that ron has wiry red hair yeah or the fact l- that even even with hermione we didn't the ron and harry didn't get super close with her until after she was performing spells to change her appearance yeah like, they got closer after she was fixing her teeth and fixing her hair. And I feel like, what why? What was wrong with her hair? Exactly. Like, we Bushy. don't need 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I, I straighten mine. Literally. Like (laughs) every, I feel like every other descriptive paragraph about Hermione Granger was buck teeth and bushy hair. Yes. Like what, what was the reason? What was the reason? Yeah. Well, I think it's fine. It, It like, who cares about that? And those, those phrases aren't even necessarily negative. I think it's the fact that she changed. Like she, for some reason, the change made the original way that she was negative. Like she needed to have straighter teeth and she needed to have straight, slick hair. It's like, no, she was fine with buck teeth and fluffy hair. There's nothing wrong with that. So it's Mm -hmm. like the insinuation that there's something wrong with an appearance, which is kind of what Ryordan does with Clarice that I just don't, it rubs me the wrong way. That's, I think that's the thing with films and photos and everything else these days. You look at a film and where they've got... I think the best example has to be Charlize Theron in Monster. Yeah, I'm not familiar. She played a a serial killer Mm -hmm. and she uglied herself up with um, prosthetics and short hair and everything to play the role. Okay. And won an Oscar for it. And now they say when you ugly yourself up for a film, because um, Nicole Kidman did that with prosthetics and bad hair for the hours and won an Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. So they say they say that ugling yourself up for a role is almost guaranteed to win you an Oscar. I hate that. Why does it why does it have to be deemed ugly? Like if you want a larger person or a smaller person or whatever, why don't you hire people who are like that and just stop attributing negativity to it? You I don't know, think. but then yeah, you would think. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but, then, but then you read books and they do the same thing. Yeah. Bridget- Bridget Jones' diary, perfect example. Bridget mm. Jones had loads of weight to lose, and she was a heavy smoker, and she couldn't cook. Right. And they're all considered massive negatives in the search for a partner. Mm-hmm. And then it's honestly... Course, oh, sorry, go ahead. But then, of course, the search for a partner is considered the most important thing, which is why so many people were, oh, Annabeth and Percy, do they end up together? Right from the very start. It's like, right. it's a kid's book. They're 12. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're literally 12. Yeah, calm down. Calm guys. down. <laughs> it's like, don't get them married off just yet. We are not living in medieval times. Honestly, right. the, this is an ancient Greece. We're just talking about Greek mythology. There is a difference. <laughs> yeah, and if it were ancient Greece, I'd be worried about more than getting him married off to a woman. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's quite worrying that these are things that I think as an adult, you do tend to view them differently. Mm-hmm. The book itself is a fantastic tale and it really is a good story. It's a really oh, yeah. good, what they'd refer to, I suppose, as a building's romance. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. The yeah. journey. There's Percy of, coming of age. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. But then underlying all of that is the, the questionable mm, mythology yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i do i do like that it does make the greeks the 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 original myths a little bit more accessible to children and i do of course understand why rick riordan couldn't tell the full tales because they are definitely not pg oh no but <laughs> right but i uh, yeah there, there is definitely some errors so to speak <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure yeah that's it yeah. i was talking with someone whose son had found the Percy Jackson books and now wanted to read more mythology and gotta be careful 
Yeah, I know. And I was really struggling because she was talking about, oh, well, you know mythology because I did a classics degree after I finished my English. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, you know mythology. It's like, yeah, but I don't know if I'd be saying, here you go, 11-year-old nephew of my friend. <laughs> Read the real story of Poseidon and Medusa. Yeah. Yeah. Or the real story of Hercules. Or the real story of Perseus. Or the real story of um, Ariadne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the real story of Jason and the Argonauts. And the, the, the list could go on and on and on. <laughs> Forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like... Um, you know, growing up with biblical stories and then reading the actual Bible. Oh, yeah. It is. It, it, that, that is kind of not to not to ruffle any feathers, but or like by comparing the two. But it's it's very I had a very similar experience in in this retrospect. Yeah, it is quite difficult. But I I think as an introduction, it is it's a good one. Yes. Yes. As long as you're not going to take it as this is what I will study if I take my if i take my search further Mm -hmm. because you'll be shocked yeah definitely so i think for kids you know in because this is technically a kid's book (laughs) um it's a it's a really good opening and it kind of and it did for me um it kind of just like opened my eyes to greek mythology and i was like wow i really enjoy this and then as i started researching on my own and grew up and then also got an english lit degree and you know (laughs) i learned some things but um the initial curiosity about it i think that makes you super unique and it it's really smart to get kids into you know this kind of mythology oh definitely i think it was quite interesting the more you read into the book the more you learned about how in a way nasty some of them were i mean athena did not come out of this well no because there was first off there was medusa and then there was her fear of spiders. Oh, well, I, d- I don't like spiders. Echidna, what my mum did. It's like, your mum's not coming off well on this one. Exactly. <laughs> oh, every single thing that doesn't like you is because something your mum did. Yes. Yeah. And But you're not going to go into detail, you know, in a kid's no. book about all of that, even though. No, but at the <laughs> same time, there's that hint that, well, hang on a second. So what did she do that was so bad that spiders will harass her daughter mm-hmm. and you know <laughs> like the the themes i think the theme of that of you know all of the god's problems becoming their kids problems that carries on really well throughout the book and it does you you do see a lot of resentment in the series as a whole as well from all of the kids but you know they they still show up they still defend their parents and they still kind of do what they have to do maybe in spite of their parents a little bit and that's like a bigger conversation about the series as a whole but Mm -hmm. that's another super interesting thing is still feeling like you have to prove yourself to a parent who doesn't know you or has never made an attempt to know you and that's really sad too Mm -hmm. yeah it is it's the sins of the father that mm-hmm. could have been a title for the series. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> much more catchy than the lightning thief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is it is very much I, I read the books, all of them, ages ago, and I can only remember tiny little bits of it. Right. And it was quite um it was astounding when I read them again and I realized that I had remembered so much incorrectly. Which is why it's nice to revisit books occasionally. Mm-hmm. Or more than occasionally. Yeah. Right. 
definitely. I I feel I felt the same way. And then this book also, it just feels like a comfort book. It's it's something easy. It's like a palate cleanser, especially, you know, if you've read a bunch of classics and you're bogged down by all of that or, you know, if you just need something light and easy, I feel like this book is it for you. Yeah. There's also exciting elements to it. It's mm-hmm. not a straightforward nothing happens read right it's not like it's not like having a bowl of tomato soup (laughs) it's it's more like it's more like having a curry or an enchilada or something Mm -hmm. with some chilies through it because there are certain moments there are exciting like when they're chasing grover through the underworld the passages in the underworld Mm -hmm. because he's wearing those shoes and nothing he's doing is deactivating them yeah, it's, they do. Yeah, they do have perilous moments. It's not all you think everybody's going to get out alive all the time. Mm-hmm. It does add that level of stress. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is quite. It sounds weird. When I read Harry Potter, I knew that he was always going to get to the end. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. I, I never had that fear that one of his friends was going to die or he was going to die because something was always going to happen that was fine with this one there was that fear because at the beginning he loses his mum right okay yeah that's fair and he doesn't know his dad and he's in a situation where his his stepfather is abusive and we mm. know that Annabeth's mother uh, stepmother is a bully and in a way in many ways abusive as well mm-hmm. and Grover's a little bit of a dweeb. Right. <laughs> Poor Grover. Poor Grover. I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. But he is, he really is. There is something about him that is quite weak, even though he's yeah. meant to be the protector. But at the same time, you don't get the indica- you do get that indication that there is something more behind him. Mm-hmm. And initially you don't discover that he is the guy who was with Annabeth and Luke. And Talia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she is also mentioned really early on. Talia? Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That her story is sort of, or like the end of her story anyway, with Luke and Annabeth and Grover. Or, yeah, Luke and Annabeth and Grover is explained. And I was like, oh, I forgot that we get into this already. Like, the, the legend of Talia is already already beginning. And he's I aware think- of who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do feel like that's important foreshadowing, though. Yes. Um, because, it does, well, I mean, not only for the rest of the series, but it does add that level of, oh, my gosh, will they make it out alive? Because Talia didn't. And she yeah. was the daughter of Zeus. So yeah, it's like, she was the, whoa. She, yeah. She was the daughter of Zeus. Also, she was, what, 13, 14 when she mm-hmm. was struck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when she when she was treed. <laughs> treed. <laughs> and she become a pine tree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Perfect furniture tree. Honestly. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make her into a nice, nice table. Exactly. But that in that gives you that indication mm-hmm. of they are at risk. Things aren't easy and there is the potential that they could die on one of these quests. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is missing, that peril is missing out of a lot of children's literature. It's always going to end up all happy and joyful and they're all going to get out of this alive. Mm -hmm. But you don't have that guarantee with this. Mm -hmm. No. You know what I do? I, I also like the time frame in these books 
because it's like okay we're we're going through a lot of time all at once in the beginning but then the meat and the potatoes of the book it's like three days you know yeah. and they're just like action-packed and i think sometimes you can forget how short of a like amount of time that you're spending and mm -hmm. so it's like it, it's <laughs> it's very condensed which i like in a book it's a lot of action like you were saying earlier yeah but there's also that clarity on the time that's being that's passing mm -hmm. because he has that deadline of the summer solstice of mm -hmm, june right. the 21st and we know and they make it very clear oh my gosh we've only got one more day because they spent all that time with the lotus eaters mm -hmm. and there are so so often time will pass in a book and you don't even know how long it is yeah that's mm -hmm. how a lot of classics are yeah it's like oh all of a sudden it's you know june and we were that's just like, hang on a sec <laughs> Was, what do you it, mean? It was December. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how long? <laughs> how long were they at Netherton? Yeah, Six right. <laughs> no, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's someone catches a head cold and they're out for like a fortnight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So it's it can be quite frustrating when you read a book and you are constantly going, "Well, hang on a second. How long ago did that occur?" Whereas with this, it's very clear. And then obviously at the end of the book, he's he's having to make all these decisions about his life and nobody else can make them for him. And it's it, they talk about his deadlines and how deadlines help him because of his ADHD. Mm -hmm. They don't skim over the fact that he has ADHD. They mention how it's a, it's a help and a hindrance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that and dyslexia. And even yeah. Percy takes a moment to note, he's like, oh, I forgot how much Annabeth loves to read, but she also struggles with this dyslexia because their brains are attuned to ancient Greek and Latin or whatever it was. So I feel like it was just this really interesting little bit where we're like, oh, they do have these like really relatable flaws that a kid who's reading this, they might be like, oh, wow, this hero suffers from ADHD and I do too. And I just feel like it's really nice to see any kind of representation because it's you, yeah. it's seen so little. Yeah, and we can talk about another hero with his oh his only flaw is the fact that he wears glasses and has a scar. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but everything else, he's this perfect, uh, you know, very brave, very courageous, very loyal. He's a, ga he's yeah. a Gary Stew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to use to, to use fan fiction terminology, he's a Gary Stew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. That kind of frustrates me. Yeah. 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 You want an imperfect, relatable character. You don't want the perfect. Because then I think that also goes back to the fact that you really didn't know if, if Percy was going to die or if he was going to be harmed or if Annabeth or even Grover, if, if you know, the main characters were going to die because they you knew that they had flaws. Whereas the perfect character... Oh my goodness. The perfect <laughs> characters... They're, they're going to survive and they're going to come out, you know, on top. But then that makes for a less intriguing story. Mm -hmm. Correct. And I, th I think that can be quite frustrating whether you're reading a book that has been designed for an adult or a book that has been designed for children because there still needs to be that awareness that not everything... It sounds, it sounds really awful, but I think you still need to learn the lesson that life isn't always going to be easy yes and their life certainly isn't easy no <laughs> no no <laughs> no it's like the second that he found out that he was a demigod it was 
one thing after the other and you know like even annabeth says there there are people who wait for years at camp for an opportunity for a quest well one week after percy gets there he's off he's off to the races exactly no training no right also that yeah he was he was given a sword by um by chiron what like literally a minute before he left yeah yeah like hey here's a sword by the way it was made for you here you go yeah i forgot (laughs) yeah try and try and lose it it'll come back okay yeah right thanks it's a a pen yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know how to use it but sure thanks yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's that moment where you realize he's being dumped in at the deep end. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said a pun. I need to <laughs> uh, But he is being dumped in at the deep end with so few tools. Mm-hmm. And he's being sent on a mission with two people. One he's known for maybe a year, not even. Mm-hmm. And one he's he literally met a week ago. And he's got to trust them with his life. And also be reassured that they trust him with theirs. Yeah. That's a lot of a lot of stress to place on anybody, but especially a child who has to all intents and purpose just lost his mother. Yeah, yeah. That too. He doesn't even really take a moment to ever process that. He's, well, he's like, I can't think chance. about it. Right. He's not given that chance to mourn his his only the only parent he knows. Mm-hmm. And then he's on the run and his stepfather is saying oh well she was kidnapped by her son yeah this delinquent this 12 year old (laughs) little delinquent man stole my car blew it up like what (laughs) and people were falling for this people were like yeah "Yeah, no yeah that seems great yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that seems perfectly valid and perfectly logical a 12 year old boy kidnapped his mother and stole a car and blew it up yeah yeah and now he's on the run and he's kind of <laughs> target number one on every single policeman's list because they don't have anything else to do. Right. Oh, true. Or anything else to worry about. No, yeah. they're just, yeah, they're, they're just, you know, having a great time. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're just looking for this young boy who is seen in various situations around the country with different adults and everything is okay. Right. But it's his fault. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, there, there are those multiple layers, and I think they're so cleverly done because they all weave together to tell this story. Yes, and they definitely. All, and they all also build and develop his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows. It shows that um, <laughs> that growing up and the fact that you grow up really, really fast when you're a kid placed in situations that are too old and too mature for you so you are going to you know grow and mature way faster than you should but then the exciting bit is seeing him do it and seeing him accomplish like when he defeats Ares you know like you see him he has no training but he knows he's got powers so he's able to overcome the lack of training with just raw talent and kind of like flying by the seat of his pants, but it's exciting to watch that. But he's also doing it because he knows that ultimately he doesn't have any choice. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't. But he doesn't moan about his lot. Mm-hmm. No. No, he doesn't. Mm-mm. He doesn't. For given everything that he goes through, not once does he sit there and go, 
It's not fair. Right. And he could. Oh, he would be within his right. Yeah, he could could shed a tear. (laughs) (laughs) We would get it. Right. Right. Yeah, I think going off of what you were saying about his duel with Ares, it's such a growth that we see just within, what, like 200 pages of his encounter with, I think it's Echidna in the... um, the St. Louis Arch and the Chimera and you know him having to run away you know he didn't have any way out he jumps into the Mississippi River and he had to escape and I'm sure that that was a blow to his pride probably a little but then you know seeing 200 pages later he's dueling with it with a god like all of that growth just within the past couple days like that's pretty amazing also and not only that he's dueling with the god of war right right which seems foolish (laughs) yeah it does but he still comes off better Mm -hmm. and i think that as as you said it's his growth he has developed as a as a a a man almost Mm -hmm. kind of yeah a little bit yeah or like taking on he's taking on the responsibilities that ultimately should have been his father's yeah and in in real life in real world with no gods yeah that should have been his father's. But even so, the battle. Sure. But the battle was his father's. Yeah. So yeah. it's like this other layer where instead of just fighting your father's battles, you're also fighting the gods' battles. You know, because you need to be the puppets. And they say that multiple times in this book, where they're like the gods can't act directly against each other, which just feels like a cop out to me. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. It's, it's kind of like the gods can't take each other's power sources mm-hmm. so instead they're going to manipulate their children or their grandchildren hang on hermes is a son of no so great-grandchildren in the case of luke mm-hmm. so they're going to manipulate their descendants to do their dirty work for them right and then pay the price for their own for their parents hubris yeah. Right. But then if you're lucky, maybe you'll be made into like a constellation or something. Oh, wow. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, that that's my ambition. I want to be killed in some bloodthirsty and disgusting way and sprinkled into the night sky. Exactly. Because that's going to accomplish so much. I mean, honestly, I, it's your constellation prize. That wouldn't be... <laughs> That was funny. That was also bad. (laughs) It wouldn't be the worst way to go. It wouldn't be the worst way to be remembered. Okay. It would be. It might be the most painful way to go, though, because they don't believe in quick death. That's right. It might be very slow. I mean, look at what they did to. um, Oh my gosh! Good grief! All of the anybody who did anything for the for the humans. They weren't right. exactly punished in the nicest way possible. Right. Right. What, what's his face with the vul- Prometheus? Yes. With the vultures. Yeah. Prometheus. Yeah. What Sisyphus? Right. Oh yes, Sisyphus is a lovely mm-hmm. one too. They're yeah. they're all um they all suffer absolutely lovely fates, but none of that is made clear to them. This could be your punishment. All they all they are left. I mean, I think the thing that made me laugh when I was reading the end of the book was they have this, when they've returned to camp successful, they have to wear their death shrouds and then burn them. It's like, okay, this isn't dark at all. Like, that could be really, also the fact that the Aries cabinet made Percy's and it was like a bed sheet. Yeah. <laughs> with, 
with with um crossed out eyes on skulls yeah. <laughs> and the word loser. Yeah. Like, come on, guys! What if he actually died? Yeah, like, come on! This is. I just feel like it's another adult thing that they have to face. Like, oh, you could have died, but you didn't. You didn't this yeah. time. Yeah. But then, how much? How much do you wonder they heard regarding he humiliated Ares, and that was their dad. Right. right. So, it could potentially have been revenge. And then you've got that question as to how many of them knew Ares' plan. Right. Yeah. Ares was also manipulated into it. But there is that, did they know what Ares was doing? Did they have an inkling? Does Ares talk to them the same way as the other gods talk to their children? Yeah. I like that because I feel like it's what Annabeth says about sometimes even strength needs to bow to wisdom. And I feel like it just shows that he's such, you know, uh, an example of this strength and war and willpower and, you know, anger and it clouds his judgment. And he, Mm -hmm. even though he's a God, he's supposed to know everything and all this stuff. Like he, he can't overcome this amount of wisdom that Kronos is able to like pervade into him. Yeah, but then, isn't it, Kronos uses Luke to manipulate yeah. Ares. Yeah, so, like, he gets... So, <laughs> so he gets the double whammy from a demigod. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that must in itself be quite humiliating. He's not only manipulated into doing something by a demigod and persuaded that it's the right thing, but he's then defeated by a... I mean, they constantly refer to him as a godling because he is so young. Right. Yeah. So that must really be a kick in the nuts to his pride. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Easy. Yeah. And and warmongers in the respect, especially in Greek mythology, they have a lot of pride. But it's partly what causes the wars in the first place. Right. Of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's one of those... Ooh, so he's been manipulated by a child and now he's been defeated by a child who hasn't had any training mm-hmm. who is actually been defeated by his own daughter at one point mm-hmm. and he is the way that they describe Ares is he's muscle bound he's a he's basically a biker yeah a muscle bound biker so you can almost imagine him going around on a Harley mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are specific things in your head when you read the book. And it's interesting how wrong they got it in the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so wrong. And there was that one weird part in the the diner scene where Ares's um, leather jacket, or I think it might be a vest, I'm not 100% sure. They say it looks like Caucasian human skin. Yes. Oh my God, yeah. At, th- at that point, I just I was like, what? <laughs> Like, can we re-enter reality for just, like, a moment, please? (laughs) Yeah, but then they also say about when they're they're speaking with Hades, and it looks like he's got souls, he's got the suffering souls in his underwear. So what can they, what must these humans have done to to elicit this particular punishment? (laughs) Right. (laughs) This particularly brutal punishment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm Hades underwear this month. Right. I must have been a really awful human being. <laughs> yeah, I did something real bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, stockbroker. Uh, yeah. 
but it is it's quite interesting to read how they have there are certain things that they've really handled well in the books and one of the things I found I I listened to a, a show on the radio over here called Old Harry's Game and it's basically the devil or Satan and he has they're ta- he's talking to souls in hell and one of the things he states quite often is oh I don't want a war I don't need another war hell is overloaded right and that is something that Hades says mm-hmm do you really think I want another war? I've already had to extend the fields of Asphodel mm-hmm. and I'm running out of room. Which does make you then question why he's the one getting the blame. Because right. he could quite easily say, why would I want this? Right. And then we find out that Hades' helm of darkness is also missing. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, we traveled cross country for nothing. Great. <laughs> Right. But it is funny how they just assumed it was going to be Hades. Like they just because he's the god of the underworld and that feels uncomfortable and the god of death that they just want to, you know, characterize him as a bad guy. And then it turns out that he's also a victim. See, that's the interesting thing. I find it really fascinating that in every single in every type of literature, the underworld and death is perceived as this vision of evil when in actuality it's it's something that comes to everybody you can't cheat death right it's not that particular creature's fault whether whatever mythology or whatever your belief Mm -hmm. whatever your faith death comes to everybody we're not mortal Mm -hmm. So why is death perceived as this black thing, this big black evil shadow that is standing over us? And that sounds so wrong, but he is always perceived as wearing black cloak with a scythe or something evil. Yeah. But he's not necessarily evil. It's it's an unavoidable fact. Yeah. Right. He's not any worse than any of the other gods. No. He's not. He just, he even in, in the battle that, he lost because he ended up with Hades rather than or the underworld rather than a place in Olympus. Right. It's kind of like, well, I, I don't blame him for feeling resentful. Right. No, oh. he's justified. He was the older brother. Yeah. He could have just as easily been the one sitting on the throne in Olympus and mm-hmm. Zeus could have been down in Hades. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's that, um, <clears throat> that one scene. I don't, uh, and forgive me if it's not in this book, but I am like picking this one piece of information out of my head. And he said, Percy says that having seen Hades palace and having seen Olympus as well, he says that um, it was kind of sad to him because Hades had created this kind of faux Olympus. Yeah. Yeah. That was in this book. Yeah. And that, that was super sad too, because it's like Hades isn't allowed in Olympus any other time other than, I think it's just the winter solstice, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that, that's like, like he, you know, he feels left out, maybe. Like, I, I don't know. I feel kind of bad for him. <laughs> well, how often does he see his brothers? Right. Probably just that once a year. Yeah, just once a year or whenever Zeus deigns to summon him, I guess. Yeah, and in this, in the book, they don't even, they mention Persephone, but they don't, there is no presence of her. Mm-hmm. Right. And even because then, even they, sh- they put it in this negative context because they're like, oh, we smell the pomegranates. And they were like, the pomegranates were almost attracting them and they were like whoa wait we know what happened to Perse- persephone <laughs> yeah that that's it i'm it is 
there is such a negative connotation and it's oh he tricked her he kind of did trick yeah. her into into marriage but at the same time <laughs> he still gives her time with her mother he doesn't trap her for all eternity in hell or in Hades yeah. and he doesn't for all intent and purpose there's nothing I mean okay so art does depict the whole thing as horrific right <laughs> right but she didn't have to eat and he cared yeah. for her because otherwise he wouldn't have been so obsessed with her Right. That, that that puts a strange twist on obsession, but at the same time, if you read Greek mythology, at least he's not like his brother. Right. <laughs> right. Which one? Into, because pick one. They're changing, both bad. Well, yeah. <laughs> changing it changing into a swan. I mean, how many yeah. half bloods did Zeus father? Right. <laughs> Almost all of them. <laughs> so <laughs> many. <laughs> so many of them. Exactly. So it's it's kind of like Zeus. At least Hades is faithful to the woman he married. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever read that? Um, they're newer. They're called uh, Touch of Darkness. They're kind of like a smutty retelling <laughs> of Persephone and Hades. No, I haven't. You're not missing uh, anything, but they're they're good. <laughs> So <laughs> they're like the, they're, they're like a guilty pleasure. If you're in the mood for some smut, this is a good book for that. Um <laughs> I love that. You're not missing anything, but they're good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're yeah, you're, you're not you're not missing anything if you don't read them, but if you find the time, I think you might enjoy it like a little bit. Yeah. It, it's it's <laughs> like a it's a guilty pleasure kind of kind of thing oh, I for me. I like I like guilty pleasures, but I always say there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure because you should never feel guilty for enjoying something. That's oh, great. I love that. I do. I yeah. Uh, I like that. Wow. But honestly, what a good I can't help but feel a little guilty about how much. But why? I... <laughs> but why feel guilty about it? If you if it gives you pleasure, re um reading. If it's not Literally. harming anybody. Yeah. If it's if it's <laughs> not if it's yeah. If it's not harming anybody. Right. Why That's feel true. guilty about it? It's not like you're um, committing murder and going, oh, I feel so good about this. Right. <laughs> that's a guilty That's the exception. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a guilty, that's a guilty pleasure. And I'd say you need psychiatric help. But reading a book and getting and enjoying it because it's a way to pass the time, whether it is well-written or horrifically written, it doesn't matter. You're still reading. And if you enjoy it, then it's not guilty. That's true. All right. Love that. Well, th I'm thank live you, by thank that. you, Ray, for your lesson of the day. I very much I've appreciate always, that. I've always thought that. I used to sit down. In fact, I even have on the top of my screen, I have this thing called Guilty Pleasures, and it's my links to real person fanfic. Okay. But I read oh. that. And every once in a while, I look at it and I go, why do I feel guilty about liking this? It's yeah. still a story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm still reading. And every once in a while, I will think about changing the name, but it's because it stands out amongst all the other stuff that I've got right. on my page. It's catchy now. <laughs> it, but it's not a guilty pleasure because I enjoy it and I'm not harming, I'm not harming anybody by reading it. That's true. That's very I'm true. I'm not, I'm not sort of a slave labor or anything. <laughs> exactly. There are worse, there are worse things you could do than read some smut. Uh, exactly. I always I always tell our mom that I'm always like you know mom I could be out like doing drugs but instead I just sit home and read when she gets on me about reading too much like oh you spend your whole life reading whatever oh my I, god this I could be this, doing this, so this many a, other bad things like come on yeah, this is a conversation I used to have with my mom 
all the time. But then I would be reading, it would be four o'clock in the morning on a school day and I was still mm-hmm. reading the book I picked up the night before. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and and that would be the, the moment where my mum would say, you share a room with your sister, this is cruel. <laughs> yeah, my mum used to take my light bulbs away. Uh, my yeah. mum eventually gave up on trying to stop me and just gave my sister eye cover, you know. There you go. Yeah. She That's needs so to adjust cute. to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she was the I younger relate to one. That. She was the younger sister, so exactly. she had she had to adjust to my habits. I Didn't fully like agree it. with that sentiment. Yeah, my mum just realised <laughs> there was no point in trying to stop me from reading. Mm-hmm. She did try to take the books away. Didn't oh, work. yeah. Yeah, yeah my dad never did that a couple times. Yeah, no. That never, that never worked no. for very long. <laughs> no, because there's always the library. Yes. Yep. And the school library. The or the internet. Library. Yeah, or the internet there now, was, yeah. We didn't, yeah, now. When well, I was yeah. At school, <laughs> we didn't have the internet. We did not have a, we didn't have a computer. So we, what it was for me, school library, li- village library, and both of them were on my way home from school. Perfect. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so she, she just gave up in the end. Yeah. Because I'd go in there and I'd pick up a book that was seven or 800 pages long and read the whole thing before I woke up, before I wake up, wake up for school the next morning. <laughs> yeah. Got out of bed more like. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like rolled out of bed. Oh, I've just finished that book and I started that one. Even when I gave myself nightmares over it. Oh. Yes. Oof. It was, it was pretty bad for me too. Yeah. I read, I read up. that when I was way too young. Also, I think I read that when I was maybe nine or 10. Same I, here. I shouldn't have, but I don't know. I had watched the original movie with one of my friends and I was like, okay, like I should read the book. That was a mistake. Yeah. It's yeah, a whole I different read the book. <laughs> Yeah. I read the book and for, for over a month afterwards, I was constantly checking under my bed. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I need to make sure before I go to sleep. And then of course I couldn't sleep. So I just read more. Exactly. Of course. Went, yeah. Vicious cycle yeah. at that point. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of the same way with um with like scary shows now. I've developed a system so I don't get nightmares because I, I, I do. I get so I get so scared. I sketch myself out so much that I just won't be able to sleep. And sleep is very important to me. Yeah. Um, So I'll watch like one episode of something a night if it's scary. And then I'll immediately watch like Gilmore Girls or something like like How I Met Your Mother, like something super fun. And I just get my mind off it and then I can go to sleep. It's it's a finely honed system. It's worked very well for me so far. <laughs> that seems that doesn't seem like a bad system to me. I think I spend if I watch and I tend to read before I get asleep instead of watching TV. Though I do have one in my room now, and I will if I am watching something, it tends to be I've just finished watching the entirety of According to Jim. Okay. All mm. eight, I think eight seasons, and I also finished watching very recently all of Superstore. Oh yeah, I heard that was good. That's been recommended to me a couple times, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. And I'm currently watching The Glades. I've got three episodes left of that. <laughs> I go through phases and I will watch a whole season, all of them, the whole show run before I start on something else. Oh yeah, yeah. me too. Because yeah. it's the best. I think it's the easiest way to watch it. So watch scare what scary shows. Um, well, for when the Adventures of Sabrina. I enjoyed that. Yes, I, I also that enjoyed that. It was, it, and it wasn't even that scary, but there's something about it that was just unsettling to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I really like that one. Um, American Horror Story, I will rewatch sometimes as well. Um, I refused to watch the haunting, the haunting of Hill House. Kaylin, I know that you watched both I, of I those. Heard, I heard things about that, but I haven't watched it because I'm not into scary. I love procedurals, absolutely love them, and I don't know why. <laughs> and random, I watched recently the entirety of blossom i don't think i've heard of that one mm -mm. So, um what was man bialik starred in with oh. joey lawrence now i know what you're talking about yes okay yes i watched the entirety of that recently as well yeah i watch a i watch a lot of jeopardy to be completely honest <laughs> <laughs> i do i watch a lot speaking of uh my bialik i watch a lot of jeopardy um yeah i i mainly just I rewatch a lot of shows. I really like like um, heavy dramas like The Queen's Gambit. I really, really liked. I've seen that probably like probably seven or eight times since it comes you out. You love Bridgerton. Oh, Bridgerton is a good one too. Well, I also love those books. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read them, Ray, but I'm obsessed I ha with them. I, ha I read them and as someone who studied that period of history and live in the country it was a bit frustrating yeah really because there are there are quite a lot of things that are wrong yes in those books. i'm sure oh i believe it should i be guilty about that pleasure then or... no okay <laughs> <laughs> is that the, the one it doesn't it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of it if you enjoy it it really doesn't matter because why should why should someone else's judgment matter right if you like it <laughs> yeah but i i, I do i, I actually I, I honestly, in my right before I joined the this uh, recording, I actually just finished the last page of the last book of the Bridgerton series because I had just reread it because I'm allowed to have my phone at my desk at work. Um, and so I just like skim through. I reread a lot of books there. So I, I just finished the, the Bridgerton series. Yes, I did. That's too funny. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing I've read. I'm trying to look. I've read all of the Karen Marie moaning Highlander series. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm in the middle of reading Outlander right now. Which over here was called Cross Stitch. Oh, okay, okay. My grandmother read those. I was never really into them. I tried, but I'm not a huge fan of time travel. Okay. I don't know I don't know why, but time travel just just never appealed to me. I tried mm -hmm. with a lot of books, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah, it's Which definitely, it's one of those things that people can like, I feel like I can take it or, take it or leave it, um, but I, I started watching the this, this show first, um, and then I got hooked on the show, and I was like, I have to read these books, I didn't know they were books, and, and then I got hooked <laughs> on the books. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I think everybody has those books that, or the TV, TV series that they really love. Yeah. I always liked vampire stuff I liked from the time well from like 1987 with the lost boys that set me off on my journey with vampires and that kind of thing but then i also loved witchcraft novels oh I'm yeah looking my, i'm looking at my bookcase right now but that's the horror <laughs> that's the horror and supernatural shelves there you right go there. and then over here is my chick lit and my harry potter and my dan brown which i struggle with um <laughs> <I bet. laughs> 
struggle a lot with, but I also have things like Jilly Cooper on there, and I've got um, I've got my Austin up the top, and then all of my Julie Garwood history novels, my romantic okay. historical romance. But that's the only historical romance on that shelf. Yeah, because the rest of it's in the study. Right. <laughs> Right. I have my places for everything. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, I'm the same way. It's just that my places for things happen to be everywhere. It's very chaotic. You Looks can ask Kaylin. Like Piles floor, of books on the floor. Yes. I I like my things where I like my things. Kaylin yes. and I used Oops, to get um, into very vicious arguments about this because she would move my things all around and I would get <gasps> so frustrated and anxious and I would yell and yeah, I, I don't have an organization process for my books they're thrown on my shelf and I don't keep series togethers. I don't keep authors together. I just kind of, she's a monster. She's a monster. I throw them uh, on there. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Doesn't the I, I idea just stress you out because it looks just <laughs> yeah. as stressful as you imagine. It's awful. It's a hellscape. It, it, it stresses me out. I have mine in <laughs> mine are in alphabetical order by author and then publication order within author nice. by series. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> because I can't not, but I also can't leave books on the floor because I have a cat who likes eating paper. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So one. you reach that point of if I don't put it away, it's going to get eaten. Mm-hmm. As I've discovered with the notepad that is on my desk right now, she's eaten her way through three of the, the corner of three of the pages. That is so funny. <laughs> she's she's weird. Naughty. Yeah, and she—it's not like I—I f- I don't eat, I don't feed her. Mm-hmm. She gets she gets fed three times a day. <laughs> it's not enough. <laughs> Obviously not. She th- well, she thinks it's not. But I like having my books nicely presented. Me too. In order, and if they're not, it actually does stress me out. Me too. I am the same. <laughs> I think everybody has their own way of filing things, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My mom. I, I honestly hers, think. Oh, like go that. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> my mom pile sort of stacks hers. Okay. Yeah, that was my system before I got a second bookshelf. But I did invest, and I bought a second shelf set of shelves, so I have a little bit more space. It's much smaller than I was imagining, though. It's probably like you can't see it, but it's like this wide. It, it's pretty tall, but it's it doesn't hold very much. Um, so I just kind of. I don't know. I feel like it j- just me personally with how my brain works an organization system of any kind would stress me out more because then I would feel like I have to stick to it. Whereas if I just kind of throw them on there, they're just there and I'll find it eventually. Like it's, it's on the bookshelf. Like <laughs> <laughs> I love Ray's face of horror. She's like, <laughs> like pure disgust at I know. Kaylin is so used to my, Kaylin is so used to my, my antics but i forget sometimes that this can be i i'm a doggy ear kind of person too oh that's the th- i used to be yeah Mm-mm. but i'm so tempted to show you. i've got three copies of several books that i own oh because... yeah i get multiple copies of books all the time mm-hmm. yeah i have one i have three different covers because the first one was the original cover when it was published mm-hmm. and i repl- i didn't replace it but i bought a new copy because i was too scared to open it any longer and then they released a new cover. Yeah. And so I had to get that as well. Pretty. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes the covers aren't. Right. But it was 
at the time they hadn't brought out a different cover so I needed to replace it mm-hmm. and then they made a, a movie and I refused to get I, I'm not a massive fan of the movie the film and the film and TV covers oh I, I hate, hate those, those. <laughs> oh, oh I hate those I, yeah ugly. I really I don't, don't like that those. nasty yeah. photo on my book no. Yeah, same here. I actually, last year, I asked for a replacement of American Gods for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm. And of course, they made the TV series. So every single bookshop in the country and on Amazon and everywhere else, all they were doing was selling the book with the cover for the TV series. Mm-mm. So I found a, <laughs> found a shop that was still selling the original cover. And I sent my mom the link and I think they had to they had to get on a waiting list to get this book. Oh, seriously. Oh, my goodness. But they knew how much I didn't want the TV series cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hate I them. I don't like them. No. Mm-mm. I I prefer the covers that are the ones that the, the author intended. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I know some people are like, well, that's stupid. Why are you so fussed about it? It matters to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you have a lot and it's like a piece in your room, like my shelf is huge. It's the biggest thing in my office. So it's like I want everything to look nice. Like it, 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 if it's ugly, it doesn't match my vibes. Yeah, exactly. I guess that makes sense. Like if you're using books as like a piece of your decor as well as a functional kind of thing, I guess that makes. Well, sense. Well, I have so many. There's no. There's you have to. <laughs> right. Right. You I get can, to I the point where they of, are decorating yeah. your house. There is no. There's no choice <laughs> in the matter. Exactly. So you always try. When I was at uni, we had to have specific versions of books. Oh my so god! Every yeah. Single, every single one of my classics is from the same company yeah and they all look beautiful on the shelf even if I didn't like the books themselves they all look really good on the shelf and it's exactly the same with a lot of the chiclet I have or the contemporary romance has all got the same style to it it's all in a similar color all in a similar size or with the same writing on it and yep. everything else that so looks like it's part of a scheme yeah yeah, yeah that that was I mean, I didn't love buying so many novels when I was in college for literature, but mm. having the books now is something that I do really enjoy, so I won't <laughs> complain about it too much. Right. Yeah. When you read 70 or 80 novels over a space of a few years, and you only liked about three of them, but they it's... look good on the shelf. Oh, yeah. they look so That's good. That's a good though. consolation prize. <laughs> I did take the most interesting class, I think, that I took was a... Um, Celtic and Germanic mythology class. Oh, nice. And the books I got in that class were the most beautiful books that I've gotten, I think, in my whole college career. They were, yeah, they were beautiful. Just so such beautiful covers. So you learned about Gwynop Nud. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Loki and Thor and Odin and all those people. Yeah. It, it was a fun class. Very tough professor, but it was a fun class. Hated the the literature, but it was it was okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's so much literature in, especially Norse mythology. Most of it was a poem, though, wasn't it? Wasn't it poetic Edda? Yes, poetic. Yeah, I have a copy of the the Edda, um, the Mabagonian too. I have a copy of. Um, looking at my bookshelf, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think all those, those I are the know, only ones I can see right now. But yeah, I know all of my because I did Greek and Roman mythology and all of mine is in the study and I've got things like Ovid's Metamorphoses and mm-hmm. the 
Odyssey, the Iliad and everything else and then great massive great big mythology tomes yeah. it's, they are beautifully illustrated books Yeah. oh yeah I love having those yeah, my copy of here. the Iliad it's not nice at all it's like a paperback um, it's my spider killing book okay <laughs> that's kind of ironic right it's I don't know that that's just like a funny thing whenever I hear the Iliad I'm like yeah I use that book because I never read it I read it once for class and then I've never picked it up again so I just use it to whack spiders yeah I've I've dipped in and out of both the Iliad and the Odyssey mm-hmm. and obviously Metamorphoses is one you can literally just go I'm gonna read this chapter mm-hmm. and there are some interesting chapters in there but mm-hmm. at the same time it's it's quite nice to have that background when reading things like percy jackson yes for sure but it's not the background that everybody is going to have no but it's nice because you know with percy jackson you don't really need it to still enjoy it exactly yeah but i think that the later books if i remember they get far more in depth in certain elements of the mythology Mm-hmm. And, they and they bring in other they... mythologies. Yeah, Percy Jackson think... does. Yeah, because I'm I can't I just started reading the Magnus Chase books. Okay. And Annabeth is in them. Mm-hmm. I didn't read I those ones. Quite... They're the they're I think they're the latest. The latest series. One of them's called the I think I want to say it's the Sword of Summer or something and. Okay. Something and the something of Thor. I'm just reading the first one, and I notice that they introduce Annabeth, but of course his name is Magnus Chase, and isn't she Annabeth Chase? Yes, she is. Interesting. <laughs> so, and that's Norse mythology, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than Greek, so mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting read. For but sure. But it does seem. But it. I felt rather strange when didn't he also write? A load of stuff with the Roman mythology. He did, yeah. This the sec- like I was speaking the the second half of the series. Yeah. Um, that's about like that mixes the two, the Roman and Greek. But he also has an Egyptian series as well. Oh. Yeah, so he gets into a lot of mythologies. Yeah. yeah, it's quite interesting because obviously Roman and Greek mythology are pretty much the same. Right. Because the Greeks founded Rome. Right. Yeah, and the, yeah, the, the way that he does it, I think is it, it, it's pretty cool. I think those those books are worth the read for sure. Yeah, the, the Egyptian ones not so much. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't really get into them the way that I could with these ones, but that that also could just be because I'm not as educated about Egyptian mythology as I am Greek and Roman. So, Egyptian mythology is quite an interesting read. Yes, yeah, it's it's they have a lot of gods. Oh yeah, so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. <laughs> it gets quite interesting, but there are similarities between Egyptian mythology and Greek mythology, and obviously Roman mythology, then Germanic, Norse, Celtic, mm-hmm. and everything else. Every single mythology has the comparisons that are very very similar. Mm-hmm. They've got gods that do the same things. So it's interesting that Riordan has done all these books that cross into the different mythologies yeah definitely but it just makes you wonder which one to read next yeah right (laughs) yeah i don't know which which is next on my list i gotta find actually i do that's a lie um i actually just picked up atlas six 
about it's about like the secret um exile alexandrian society i don't know oh. it was very heavily recommended on tiktok so i picked it up excited to read that one i'll let you guys know how it is <laughs> uh, definitely you can do an episode on it okay yeah for sure yeah well we will yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say what what is the next episode that's coming up when are you coming back well, as soon as we can I yeah, think. we don't know for sure yet. There is no definitive date, but it's going to be the Scarlet Letter. Oh, that's an interesting one. We never had to read that at school. I know that it was a very, very classic American high school text. Yeah, I, I had to read it in high school. Um, I was spared, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> what did you, What did you end up reading instead? Um, that year we did Hamlet for our Shakespeare. Um. Handmaid's Tale. Oh, Handmaid's Tale, and then My Name is Asher Love as well. I did. Okay, we did The Handmaid's Tale. I hated that book. So no, much. did you? Yeah, I tried so much. I'm not a massive fan of Margaret Atwood. I didn't like Oryx and Crake either. Mm. <laughs> <Kelsey>. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those things. I think we read it because we had to, and that always makes it harder. Yeah, that's absolutely. true. Yeah. And I read it again for a book club that I was in and it, it just didn't register for me. But then you read things like The Crucible and The Scarlet mm -hmm. Letter, which is very, very classic American literature. Right. And we didn't have to read those here. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Instead, we had Jane Eyre, Wuthering Heights, Pride and Prejudice. I'm trying to think what else. And we always had a Dickens of some kind. Mm -hmm. Of course. Always had a Dickens. And it was normally, I think I read um, Hard Times. I haven't yeah. read that one. Yeah. I would say don't bother. But then I kind of say that and I, I'm going to get crucified by any English lit major here. Um, I would say that about any Charles Dickens, if I'm fair. Yeah. Us too. Me too. We're, we're in the same boat. So you know what? Yeah. <laughs> we agree. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. So next one's going to be The Scarlet Letter. Yes. And obviously, hopefully soon. But yes. depending on your schedules. Yeah, we do. It's a busy week for Kaylin, especially. She's hosting her first married Thanksgiving event. <gasps> Of course, so, I forgot it's Thanksgiving this week as well, isn't it? Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, American Thanksgiving, yeah. <laughs> so we'll be we'll be bouncing. She she's in Texas. She's hosting, and I'm here. I'm bouncing between, I think, three different households this year. So wow, yeah, yeah. It's a busy yeah. week. Within the next few weeks, we'll uh we'll return. <laughs> that is good to hear. Yeah, and I will actually finally find out what the Scarlet Letter is about. Yeah, all oh, for I know sure. is it. All I know is that it was a film with Demi Moore. Oh, that one was right. so bad. You got to watch the original. <laughs> <laughs> Demi Moore in the bathtub. Ugh. <laughs> is it Hester? Is it Hester Prynne? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to remember why I know that. Isn't it something to do with Mean Girls? Is it Mean Girls? No, Easy A. Yes, Easy yes, A. Easy A. <laughs> <laughs> yep, a great oh, modern retelling of the incredible retelling of the script. <laughs> How bad is that? It, that is the only reason I know anything about that book. I that's, should probably read it at some no, point. No, that's perfectly reasonable. Honestly, it's great. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Listen to our podcast, though. You might. That's you all might you need. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, always, I, was gonna, I always do, because I you. love listening to book podcasts in general. So, 
as you're coming back in a few weeks, fingers crossed, where can they find you on social so they can keep up with when you're actually recording and releasing the episode? Um, so we are on Twitter at touch you are shelf pod. Um, we're on Instagram at touch your shelf pod. Um, that's spelled correctly. And then we are also on TikTok. We don't post very regularly, regularly there, but we are at touch your shelf pod as well fantastic yeah and obviously your podcast all of the archived episodes are on spotify itunes mm-hmm. google pods amazon and everywhere else i'm guessing yes oh yeah wherever you get the podcast we'll be there yeah yeah <laughs> definitely definitely go and listen it's some really interesting insights into books that you would probably think i don't need to know any more about that you'll <laughs> learn something interesting <laughs> right we hope so yeah, yeah. They're always really fun listens. And I think that sometimes it's like having a mini book book club in your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which that, is what I love yeah. about books anyway. Yeah, us too, <laughs> for sure. So thank you ever so much for coming on and talking to me about this and pretty much everything else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so much fun. Thank yeah. you for having us. My, it was my pleasure. The minute I was thinking, oh, I'm going to do YA. Who do I know that I can talk to? I know. <laughs> Great in Twitter. Hi. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's been so much fun. It's also brought me back to a book that I hadn't read in so long. Mm-hmm. I now need to read the rest of them to find out how it ends. Immediately. Even I, yes. just, now even we're all going to reread them. Yeah. Even though I know, I still need to be reminded. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So at some point, we'll have to come back and talk about the rest of them fair for sure we'll be we'll be here (laughs) (laughs) not now i haven't finished them yet okay Okay, no no yeah yeah we'll we'll wait we'll we'll give you we'll give you about a week's time okay and then we can (laughs) meet back yeah because i only i only do 38 hours a week at work so right no (laughs) (laughs) thank you ever so much and as i said you can find both kaylin and kelsey everywhere on social for well they've already told you where you can find them on social and you can find touch your shelf the podcast on spotify itunes amazon and pretty much everywhere else Mm -hmm. so definitely go and check it out because it's really good listen thank you thank you for having us thank you my pleasure (laughs) bye of course i'm going to be back again on thursday with the final episode in my jennifer aniston season so don't forget to tune in. The last cup has gone in the dishwasher. The closed sign has been turned around. So it's time to end this, another episode of The Bookshop. I have to again thank Kelsey and Kaylin from Touch Your Shelf because they were awesome guests. And I hopefully will get a chance to speak to them again about possibly the Percy Jackson series in its entirety. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll come back again for more. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family? And please post a review or give this show a star rating over on Podchaser. No feedback is bad feedback if it's constructive. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs, on Instagram at notbeforecoffeepodcast, and over on Good Pods at notbeforecoffee. Well, I have to go and pick another book, even though I have started three further since... I finished reading Percy Jackson and settled down with another cup of coffee. Until next time, this is me saying farewell. <laughs>